0: Living Corporate is brought to you by Canaries. Let me tell you about Canaries. Canaries is a tech company formed in 2018 by Black founders who experienced inequities in the corporate world like most of us in the workplace. They saw typical diversity initiatives, but knew that to create systemic change, diversity, equity, and inclusion needed to be done differently. They're still ahead of the curve, focusing on the E and the I using a data-driven approach. Think Canary in the Coal Mine, The name is a nod to the canaries coal miners used to bring into mines to determine if the work environment was safe or undesirable. That's what they do for companies. They help you find the folks you need to listen to. The canaries who will help you diagnose, measure, and attack your DEI challenges. Canaries has your back. Check them out at www.canaries.com backslash employer. That's www.canaries.com. K-A-N-A-R-Y-S dot com backslash employer. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And, yo, you know, I've talked about this a bit time to time, and some of the dialogues we've had on Living Corporate over the past few years. You know the reality is, is that the diversity, equity and inclusion space simply does not give enough focus and attention to its treatment, perspective and experience of black men in the workplace. Now, this is nuanced and challenging because Black men do benefit from the patriarchy. They do. Black men do not benefit from the patriarchy in the same ways or in the same degrees that white men do, or frankly, any other men in the workplace do, but they do benefit. And this isn't to say that DEI should not continue to really focus and prioritize all black women it is to say that white supremacy does pit black women and black men against one another right and ironically a function of the patriarchy is like this scarcity mindset that only one of these groups can really be prioritized at any one point in time and i'm really excited about the guest that we have today Cambra ward cam is a tech leader and that first equity inclusion. He's doing some incredible things at LiveRamp. So I'm excited about having him on because we talk about not only the work that he's doing at LiveRamp, but also the work he's doing through his own organization called Black Men in Tech, um, and the conference that he's gonna be having next month. But again, I, I wanna be careful in saying that I don't believe that black men should be prioritized ahead of or at the expense of black and brown women. I do believe that there's plenty of space and opportunity to elevate and consider the mistreatment of black men at work. It's interesting. They, they just, they kind of just get erased. And I remember, you know, I was talking to the leader of Zillow, the DEI leader of Zillow, Zillow group. And I asked him that question. I said, why do, why are we not talking about black men at work? Like. You know, when you look at these DEI reports like they they will talk about black women, right? Like that's that those are growing narratives. You don't see that same level of effort around black men at work. And even in me bringing this up, right? Like, I don't want anybody. I know folks gonna be like, here he go. Men always making it about themselves. And I'm genuinely not aiming to y'all. Uh, <laughs> it's a nuance and it's a sensitive topic. I know. But you don't see that. You don't see that. And I'll say this, too, is like the reality is, is that so many black men that I've I've worked with. Right. And I've seen they're not really here for like the collective liberation and upliftment of their people in the same way that black women are. They're not. I mean, they're not. And that's a challenge and that's disappointing. And I'll say, you know, for me, in my experience of living corporate, the people that continue to support me the most are black women. The people that continue to be the biggest disappointment are black men. It's true, right? I mean, you know, they're flaky. They don't get back to me. They're weirdly competitive and territorial. Whereas black women don't even know me and will just support Living Corporate, connect me. I mean, when you see these things that Living Corporate is doing and the ways that we're growing, that's because some black women gave me a shot. I mean, I could go on and on about just how critical they've been in my professional journey, in my personal journey, in Living corporate's journey. So again, this is not to demean or dismiss the fact that those stories and those narratives, experiences need to be prioritized. I still believe they need to be, if there was an order of magnitude, they are number one. What I'm saying is that black men are not prioritized at all, right? When you look at like DEI efforts, like they're not explicitly called out in the same ways that black women are. And I I find that curious, I really do. Um, Anyway, before we get into this conversation where we talk about that and we talk about uh, the future of DEI, you know, as we look at this season yet again, it's like we're continually looking at DEI and where it stands in corporate America as we look at the world around us. It just continues to be a focus, it continues to be a conversation, it continues to be something worthy of examining week after week. And I. You know, again, I look forward to you all uh, tapping in to this conversation. Speaking of tapping in, before we get into this conversation with Cam over at LiveRamp and Black Men in Tech, we're going to tap in with Tristan. See you in a second.
1: What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan back again to bring you another career tip. This week, I want to talk about some of the common outreach mistakes you might be making. Have you ever reached out to a recruiter, someone on LinkedIn, or just someone you wanna connect with and they never responded? Believe me, I've been there. There's a couple of common mistakes that many of us make when we reach out that may be blocking us from our blessings. First, sending a generic message. I can almost guarantee that you don't like to receive generic messages, so why would you send one? Make sure that each message you send out is tailored to the person that you're reaching out to. This goes for both email and LinkedIn. The next mistake is asking for something in your initial email besides time. Outside of requesting 15 to 30 minutes of their time, you shouldn't be asking for a referral or to be considered for open roles. Instead, figure out where you can provide value and give your contacts some time to get to know you, what challenges you're facing, and how they can assist. The final mistake is thinking that the purpose behind every connection is that the person will get you a job. If this is what you think, you're setting yourself up for failure. Your contact is going to think you're only trying to use them and no one likes to feel used. Make sure you display genuine interest in the person, what they do, and the industry you're trying to go into. Remember, each interaction is a chance for you to gain information and insight that can help you tailor your resume, help you with answers in your interview, and even prepare you for conversations with other professionals within your industry. Landing the referral is just a bonus of developing genuine relationships. With unemployment levels being so high, that means the market is quite competitive. So networking is an even more vital part of your job search. Watch out for these mistakes and make some adjustments in your outreach to increase your chances of a response. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
0: Living Corporate is brought to you by the Liberated Love Notes podcast, part of the Living Corporate Network. The Liberated Love Notes podcast is a starting point for integrating self and community affirmations into your daily practices. The Liberated Love Notes podcast center the experience of black folks existing in white systems and speaks to overcoming imposter syndrome, disrupting injected and internalized forms of oppression, embodying an abundance mindset and building a healthy Racial identity. Check out Liberated Love Notes podcast wherever you listen to podcasts hosted by Brittany Janae Harris. Cam, Cambrell, Big K, yo, man, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: (laughs) Hey, man, you know, it's a beautiful day in paradise, you know, (laughs) always, right? Always. Yeah.
0: So, so look, man, let's talk about it, right? Like you and I, we connected on Fishbowl. We were on a... <laughs> All
2: right,
0: so why are you laughing?
2: Because man, honestly, our Fishbowl connection was so divine, right? Because, uh, you know, we was on there with about 30 other people at the same time. And, you know, you said everything I was thinking in the moment. So much that I had to reach out to you immediately and say, Hey, we need to go deeper on this conversation. You know, and I feel like that's what's important when brothers get on the line, you know, in sync and in align with the diversity and inclusion and the mission and where we need to go, right? And and I tell you, your words immediately, you know, spoke to everything I was thinking. And I was like, that's someone I gotta connect with. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I appreciate so this is a thing for the audience. Uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit more context is you know we were on a uh a conference call type of thing because everybody's trying to be chatty house now so everyone's getting (laughs) everybody's trying to be chatty house everybody's trying to get that conference call feature uh and 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 look you know cool competition's a beautiful thing do you think uh but anyway so we're on this thing and some somebody just said something like you know we can't can't use race as a cop-out or as an excuse Mm -hmm. and you know and so that's when i was like And I was triggered. Right. I was Mm -hmm. I was I was upset. And so then I said I made some statements around and it's because of the context. Right. So we're all of us on the stage were black folks in tech. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. then the audience was a lot of like, you know, white executives and stuff. I Mm -hmm. like, we can't we can't say that like that's that's irresponsible to say that. And so, yeah, I I spoke my mind um, and, you know, it was it wasn't like, you know, crazy. Nope. But I def- but I definitely know that it caught folks off guard. Cause yes. Because <laughs> off- I got a, I got some text messages afterwards. They were oh, like, "Oh man, listen, like you know how that
2: uh the uh, gift is where you sitting there eating the popcorn in the chair." Like,
0: yes. Man, I was just sitting
2: there. I was just sitting there, like eating the popcorn, like looking around, like, "Oh man." <laughs> but it, was, it, but to your point, it was needed because it wasn't necessarily the context that the individual shared. It was more so the vantage point that they were looking at in that moment, right? In, in the room yeah, in the room that we were in, I understood what the individual was was trying to say. It just wasn't the right room, you know? That, it that
0: wasn't was a, the right, it wasn't no. the right room. It was the right, it was the wrong room and it was at the wrong time. And I was like, yep. and so I was like, man, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to talk about this space and this work on mm-hmm. this platform that has so many folks that aren't us who have the power to change exactly these systems we have to we need to be really intentional about that time in that space so so yeah you know and and, and it's, it's interesting cam because and i've said this before i don't meet a lot of black men um in the in the diversity equity, inclusion space especially yeah. black men like my age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like an, or, or 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 even i'm more more to the point, like black men at the same stage of life I'm at. Right. So even if we're not the same age, like we're both, we both, we have we both have kids. Like we're both like, you know, you know, young kids trying to figure it out, doing what we do. Exactly. So so it's, it's, that's a unique space. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about your career and just how you got into the DEI work and, and, and what, what, what got you there? And then what's keeping you there right now?
2: Yeah. So, Um, Transparently, like, earlier in in my life, um, I was fortunate uh, to be raised by my mom and my grandmother. And, uh, you know, I didn't have anybody really telling me about the talk, right? Uh, The man, and we know the talk, right? The talk on the interaction with law enforcement and and how to act and how to respond. Uh, So because I was lacking that talk, you know, I had an unfortunate run-in with law enforcement while in high school at the football practice where I was actually dropping a friend off home, and that negative experience put me in a space where I wanted to learn more, right? Um, It actually fueled my fire for diversity um, because all the officers look like me, right? And, and it was a ton of officers. I spent some time in handcuffs on, on the sidewalk while they asked me questions about if I was the individual that was robbing the neighborhood uh, that, that I was in. Uh, but I wanted to know, like, what about me, right, that, that, that set the stage for law enforcement to treat me as if I was already, right, uh, the, individual, uh, the individual that was committing the crimes? because of that uh it fueled my fire to want to get into the diversity work because think about it uh Zach, bro like we can't change our color we can't change who we are right we can't change our physical being right we are who we are we are black men so i couldn't do nothing about that so i decided to learn more so i went to university of florida studied uh family youth and development uh, family sciences i went to university of maryland i studied i studied uh, minority and urban education for a master's program and i really wanted to dig deep right uh, a lot of people like to go wide and try to do everything i wanted to go deep and be an expert not even an expert uh, a subject matter ex- well yeah subject matter expert in what in what this is diversity and inclusion a lot of people are really passionate about it you know but passion don't transfer into purpose come on you now. know you know so 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 your passion only gonna get you so far passion is an emotion right that is triggered by something. So you could be passionate in the moment and then three days later it doesn't matter anymore to you. Right. I wanted to treat it as a, a research discipline, right? So I started out in higher education, did that for a few years, rose to a level where where I I was a director at the at the at a young age like i was a director at a school over 10,000 students and I, then i made the switch into the corporate space as a program manager and now you know a few years down the line i'm the head of right still very young but you know it was the purpose of how i made the transition and and continue to excel in my opinion um in this field and not just passion passion is a is a is a must purpose is needed Right, right. Purpose is needed to get to that level. So that's yeah. how I got into space, man, and, and and that's why it's so important for me because you know I feel it for everyone. I don't just feel it for Black men. I feel it for you know uh, our Asian, our Asian uh, brothers and sisters that's that's in a fight, our LGBTQA individuals that's in a fight. Like you know, you know, underrepresented means underrepresented for all, not for one. Right. You can't get so focused on the tree that you miss the forest. And, and the tree is focusing on just your space and your underrepresented group. We got to care about it all to be, in my opinion, successful at our work. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, that's, my, you know, that's how I got into it. And that's what keeps me here, man. Keep you fired up about it.
0: Well, first of all, shout out to you. And 100 percent. It's funny. I was talking to a dear colleague of mine and a mentor as well about that last piece, which is like this, that individualism and equity don't mix. Right? Exactly. Right. So like so, yes, like it's important to respect and appreciate the unique experiences and challenges of um, any marginalized people group. hmm.
2: But if mm-hmm. we're not being
0: intersectional in our analysis, and our our praxis, right, th- then we're not going to succeed. Right. And so and it's and that's where and you said something else is incredible. I agree. It's like right. being being a student of of the of the space. I think I think a lot of folks treat this work like a, like a really cool hobby right? mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, like, you know, like somebody who like really likes wine or mm-hmm. <laughs> someone who really likes whatever. Right. It's like, oh, you, oh, oh, you, you know, like it's like a, it's like a hobby. It's like something you really like, but it's but you pick it down and you pick, you know, you put it down, and you pick it up when you want to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But mm-hmm. but to your point, like around being a student. It's important to study American history, at the very least, if you're in America, you're going to be doing this work because there's no one group in their struggle for independence or uh, recognition as human as as, uh, equal citizens in this nation or just as human beings that did not have to interact with some other marginalized group and coordinate with them in some way. Right. Like that's 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 true for every marginalized group. Not only that. But there is no one group that is only just that group, right? You think about like so. Pride is a great example. We're coming up on it again, here really soon. And look, man, it's not just white folks who are queer. Come on. And like, you want to talk about you want to talk about the history of Pride and like all of the work and how it wouldn't even been possible without a trans black woman. How wouldn't and how we wouldn't we wouldn't have civil wall, right? Right? We wouldn't have we wouldn't have civil rights. Yep without the work of queer black men and women like we wouldn't have so like like what does that really mean to like even see yourself so individually like that's a certain function of white supremacy as well as like this idea of just like i'm just in it for me like this is just for me i'm gonna get mine and collect my power but
2: You know, you hit on something absolutely amazing uh, and something that uh, we often try to impart on individuals is that the thing about, you know, oppression and supremacy, more so oppression, is that the individuals that has the power. Now, let me be clear. uh, You know, there's more than just white male privilege power. Everybody has power. And privilege you just got to find out where you have power and privilege and most time underrepresented individuals have power and privilege in places where we cannot change the systematic uh we cannot change the way the system works right so you walk into our barbershops means that got power we might not have the hair on our head but we still can have the conversation needed right that doesn't change the system right so when we talk about power and privilege you got to understand that The way the way it works is that you just talk about just not, you know, individuals of majority have the power and privilege, but they they do control the narrative. Right. And that's an important thing, because for me, um, about oppression is that you make things comfortable for you. So on Pride Month, if all you see is individuals of the majority, the white male, you know, white female picture and you automatically assume that, oh, okay, cool. You know this is you know everybody that is a part of lgbtq community and doing something amazing has to be white because the narrative is controlled by the individuals in power that's able to change the system right right so you make things comfortable for you right and and that's something that we that you know i realize in undergrad is that people make things comfortable for them in order for it to work in their favor for example right? Uh, My sophomore year in college, I worked at uh, Victoria's Secret, right? Really cool job. I was in the back. I was a, a restocker of the fragrances. I asked my I asked my leader, Hey, can I go on the floor? And she was like, Well, nobody ever had, no male ever asked me to go on the floor, but I'm gonna put you in a beauty room, right? I killed it the entire summer in the in a beauty room, you know, sold a five for 30, you know, uh, a six for thirty, I think it was at the time. Had yeah. the had the had the uh all the different fragrances going. I had the the lip overs going, you know, because they just came out with the Lip gloss, I was winning, right? Angel card, I was a top seller. At the end of the at the end of the the summer, as I was getting ready to go back to school, the one of the associates says, Cam, you know why people are comfortable with you. And I go, why? Because I'm good at my job. She go, no, because they think you're gay. Mm. And I go, and I go, nobody ever asked me. And at that moment I realized it was uncommon to see a big black man with a bald head working in a beauty room at Victoria's Secret. So in order to be comfortable with something that they didn't, it was foreign to them in order they changed who I was or or made up someone of who I was in order to interact with me and make them and make people feel okay, okay to do that.
0: Man, you know, and that's interesting because we do often think in in contexts that are directly beneficial or you know impactful to us yes yes so 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 let's do this you know i want to learn more about you know the work that you're doing now because you have a lot of stuff going on right (laughs) you have so so you know you're, you're at live ramp you also have your own organization like let's talk about just like what's in your atmosphere right now and what does that look like
2: yeah so that's a perfect question so uh my day job at LiveRamp, and I call it my day job because I have, like like you just said, I have multiple things going on at the same time. But um, at LiveRamp, I am the head of DIB, uh, Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. And what we're doing right now is that we're, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cutting edge, kind of, you know, edgy a little bit, but we created a, a operating model right uh, for the next five years called our five-year commitments uh, that's going to be shared externally and in, in uh may and the thought process when i created these uh this operating model is that i wanted to remove the data now i know some listeners will be like well well what i wanted to remove the data from the front part of the conversation and put it towards the back end All right. Because think about it. When we think, in my opinion, when we think about data and data, we think about the moving chess pieces. Right. Uh, And and then then we treat and then we treat data points as if a marker to say, hey, we need to get to this five percent. We need to get to this 10 percent. And at some point when you deal with hearts and minds and humans, which we do in diversity and inclusion, belonging, we start treat. We start treating people like tokens and not like people my whole goal is to treat people like people so i removed the data from the top of the conversations into the back end of the conversations and created these aspirational targets that we want to hit if we hit these aspirational targets then the data is going to hold us accountable and the data is going to verify the work we already done think about it when companies put goals and and, and tied them to structures and stuff like that. And some companies that work out for people start to do humanistically things unnatural to reach that, those goals. We can name a company like Wells, right? That were put in some really awkward situations because they had to meet a goal. So if I go tell you, we need 30% more black people. What do you think hiring managers going to do? they know no, they're no longer hiring the best candidate. They're hiring the first black person.
0: Right, right,
2: right. But if, I, but if I turn around and tell you, okay, so we want to create pipelines where we have diverse candidate slates, where I say, if we're doing a candidate slate for an engineer role, we do 20% referrals, right? 20% from NsB, 20% from uh, HBCUs, 20% from uh, uh, HSI, His, Hispanic Serving Institution. We still got a diverse candidate slate, 20% of women right from from Grace Hopper or something like that we still got a very diverse candidate state but it's not one person right right we're not targeting one person so that's what I'm doing at live ramp now and the team is very receptive because they understand the goal what you're trying to get and they understand the strategy behind it
0: that sounds so profound and, and it's funny because and i have given this feedback before like to some other folks you know as you just come and go you know you talk to all types of people but like right. the folks in the, they actually you pick your brain whatever but I, I I told some folks about a about a year ago now. I said, you know, if we would apply the same level of like business rigor to this space mm-hmm. that we do to other spaces, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have the challenges that we have. Talk right? about it. Because like you're 100 percent right. Like this is a it's it's a people business, it's people work. And yet, you know, when you think even even if you think about like the principles of change management, like we don't even think of DIB as like an offshoot or under or mm-hmm. in coordination with change management, but there's all right. these all these principles that you're talking about. They exist in change management, and yes. yet folks don't connect those dots because we don't really prioritize it in the same way. Because again, goes back to what we were saying at the top, which is folks kind of treat this like a hobby. So I agree right. with you. And to your point, we do talk a lot about data, but then it's still not strategically integrated into the work, right? And there are folks out there who will be like, "Oh, well, I, you know, I've been doing this for years," and like there's some orgs out there that have created all sorts of like tools, analytics right. tools. And yet they've yet to really get the penetration in these spaces because if they had the penetration in these spaces, like they should, then we wouldn't have some of the data challenges that we have. Right. right. Like, And so mm-hmm. I'm excited. Like when I hear you, like I hear that, like that's, that's, that's exciting to me. You know, we had um, Michael C. Bush on, I guess about a year ago. So a little while ago. Nice. And, and we were talking about, Anthony, I appreciate that. It, that wasn't a flex. I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm not I'm trying, you know I'm being being tacky. <laughs> no, listen, uh,
2: I'm with it. Hey, listen, that's a good brother. Now I'm with it. So that's so he is
0: cold. He yeah. is cold. Yeah, yo, shout out, man, shout out, Mike.
2: Hey, listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to meet that guy. I'm trying to sit down and have a conversation with him. You
0: know what I mean? He so, is a beast. I, you know what? what, I'm, what? I'm trying to, you know, let me, i I need to, hit, I need to hit him back. Cause I, see, I don't, easy.
2: That's what, that's what, the, that's what we do, man. We just support. And hey, I'm trying to just sit down and just talk to the man. You know, like he is brilliant. He's yep. brilliant.
0: So, yeah. so I'm sorry, man. We got off on a tangent, man. We're no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. So, <laughs> so I'm talking to him, and you know, he's just emphasizing that the next 10 years, like the future, right? 2030 is gonna look by 2030, data and DE, it's just gonna be a completely different space and world, right? Like when you look at Corn Ferry and the recent partnership they announced with Qualtrics. Mm-hmm. Right. And really mm-hmm. trying to coordinate and integrate data in all of their people work. It's just it's just going to be different, man. And yeah. so my, my point is, is that um, I'm excited about I'm just excited about the future. And I'm excited that there's folks like you out there really doing the work. OK, so that's live ramp. That's right. cool. I know we could talk about that forever. But yeah, know, we could go. We, can go we could now. go. <laughs> we could go. But let's talk about let's talk about the things you're doing outside of live ramp
2: yeah so uh november of last year uh, i was sitting in the bathroom brushing my teeth and i'm telling you this part because i know exactly what i was doing the day i dreamed of black men in tech i was in a conversation with myself uh and i was it was an internal not even a battle internal discussion about how do i go from just being significant I'm sorry, how do I go from just being successful to being significant? Now, success to me is what we do in our day job, the titles, you know, the, the things that are tangible that we can point to and say, you know, we did this, right? But I was more focused on the legacy, right? So how do we create this legacy where people that look like us, Black men, knew that there was an outlet in tech where they can capitalize on and win? Right. And realize that, you know, tech is not just a space for individuals with engineering degrees, but you can do tech and you can do tech. And then you realize tech is in anything. Think about this. Uh, uh, Michael Bennett and Martellus Bennett, they wrote a book called Making White People Uncomfortable in the Ford. Right. I believe it was Martellus that shared the whole story about um, about representation. And he talked about it as if uh, it was a character, like like he was like Superman, Batman and all the other heroes, you know, didn't come to his neighborhood to save Denzel in distress, never showed up, you know, in his neighborhood. But this is what we grew up with as far as television cartoons. And he was like, hell, Aquaman could have been famous because, you know, they say black people don't know how to swim. So you want to level up, Aquaman. You should have came to our neighborhoods, right, and, and helped out our people. We didn't get a, a Black superhero until, until, until Black Panther. Right. And that was what What's that? 16, 18, one, 2000, one of those years. But that was just fairly recently. So he started talking about the representation of black men or black people wanting to be athletes, right? Wanting to be rappers. And, he, and in my opinion, wanted to, you know, do things, some things illegally, you know, because that's who take care of their neighborhood. That's who they see in their neighborhood as success. You know, I was talking to a group of uh, middle school students, and they were saying that they wanted to play football. And I asked them, "Well, how much money is a lot of money?" Because they need to take what, what we always say, "Hey, we need money to take care of our mama." You know what I'm saying? Because that's that's our first like real lady that that we care about of a real individual, right? Because yeah, so these I'm talking to these students, and they're like, "Yeah, man, we need to make a lot of money to take care of our mama." I was like, "Okay, well, how much a lot of money?" And they go, "Well, like hundred thousand dollars," and I go. Okay. I go, you know, d- depend on what they had in life. You know, that may be a lot of money to them. I-, I respect that. I say, you know, you could do that at tech. You know how you play these video games? You know, you can build these video games, you know, you know how you on Instagram or on your social media, you can be on the back end doing the work and I promise you, you can make more than that, you know, without being, without, you know, your having to grab, yeah. Throwing your body away your mind and that sort of thing. No not to anybody Play sports, man. I played semi-pro football for a few years, but respect. you know, but you know, it's 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 that understanding and that representation. So I built Black Man in Tech because of that. And no, it's not exclusively. For black men, because then we'll be just talking to ourselves. there. we need the support of of the community, right? I call it the neighborhood, right? We need our neighborhood support because, uh, you know, even though you live in the same neighborhood, everyone' house isn't the same. So I built this concept called the neighborhood inside of black men in tech, because we need to we need to support each other, just flat out. You know, like it's about it's about um engaging and retaining a black male in the workplace. Zach, you know how I go, man. You see another black dude in the office at any headquarters Girl, you don't care you don't care what he do
0: like I, it doesn't ex- matter
2: you get excited and I'm, gonna,
0: <laughs> I'm gonna i get excited no straight up look man i don't even meet many other black so you know right now there is <laughs> two other black men who do change management where i'm at right right and because of the way the company is set up like we don't talk like that but i get ex- i'm excited And and that's rare. But most times when I meet black men who who, like at work, they're typically not doing change. They're typically doing something like insecurity or. Right. 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 But guess what? I'm excited. And I I try to learn a little bit just so I can have something to talk about.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the and that's the beautiful part about what we're building, uh, is that we're just building that neighborhood so people can engage and talk, make it comfortable for people, not black men to come. And join in the conversation and 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 talk about the engagement piece. Like, and listen, I want to be very clear about this. Like, we are in no competition with any other conference or any other uh experience. What we want to do is be a part of the ecosystem that helps change, right? The the representation of the Black experience in tech, so shout out to Blackest Tech, shout out to Afro Tech. We want to partner with you, right, in order to ensure that our message can go across holistically, right? Because I got the question a few times about, well, why, well, why black men and why not black women? They got it worse. Da, da, da. I said, listen, I said, I want to be very clear we don't play the oppression Olympics, all right? This isn't like who got it bad, we all got it bad it's about how do we maximize the voice in which i understand it in order to make sure that the legacy of the black man in the tech space is is seen and heard how do we provide access and education so that individuals are bought into the experience of the black man right and and that's the thought process behind it and we want to build and we want to build that collectively there's there's no there's no one person in the ecosystem it's all of us together you know
0: no, one hundred percent. And you know the uncomfortable truth is, is that diverse equity and inclusion work historically has not ever centered Black men. Talk about right? it. Talk about it. And that's not to say, and you and I, you know, we've talked off mic, right? It's like that's not to say that I'm mad at the fact nope. that, you know, but it's just it's just the truth of like, you know, we don't talk about the experience of cis presenting Black men. Right. at work. And we don't talk right. about the things that they need, the, way, the ways that they feel harmed. And it's complex. I get it because Black men do still benefit from and do participate in the patriarchy. So like, I get yes. that. Mm-hmm. I get, and I get I w- and I would never argue that. And I mm-hmm. and every time I even, and I always provide this statement every time I even talk about Black men because it's true. And I do believe, to your point, is that it's a worthy subject to right. engage and discuss explicitly and intentionally. And so, right. you know, I, I'm excited about it. So, okay, so and I hear your whole point around, you know, not no not trying to compete with anybody. I think that the truth of the matter is is that all of this work in the spirit of what we're doing is so needed that yes. really there could be seven or eight more black men in text and 100%. it wouldn't be enough, right? It, still, so <laughs> it, wouldn't enough. it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough. There's so there's so much work to be done. Yeah. So, so so to that end, you know, what's the vision and and goal like let's just say like the next uh six to 12 months like what are you excited about
2: uh yeah so black men in tech we're gonna have our conference virtual conference june 19th right so that's the exciting piece we got 35 dynamic speakers we're gonna have a a pre-con concert the night before that's gonna be virtually And, and the most exciting about this Zach for me is that it's all free right? Like, like we have partnered with some amazing companies that's allowing us to give this free of charge to whomever wants to be a part, right? So the barrier to entry is super low. All you have to do is register, <laughs> you know, like easy, right? Um, but what really psychs me is our philanthropic effort. So uh, the, the existence of Black Men in Tech is for this ability to help our community, our neighborhood, so that um, so much that we are, we're launching this whole scholarship program where we're giving computers to high school students that's going into the, co- in the collegiate uh, arena and going to college. And then for individuals that are um, at, at the college level, at the HBCU, studying technology at some point, we're, we're offering book scholarships uh, of $1,000 to make sure that they do succeed in the classroom. And you say, well, Ken, why book scholarships? And and I'm going to tell you that students uh, pay tuition, pay room and board, but they don't know if they're buying them books yet, you know, because that's an extra expense, right? So I want to make sure that we do well in school. And that makes me excited because when we talk about the significant piece, this is significant. This is a legacy that we're going to leave Zach behind. You involved because I pulled you in, you know, uh, we're going to do some summits and stuff, but, we're gonna do this together, you know. Like when the community show up, when the neighborhood show up and support our our students, our kids, you know, um, and give them ways to make sure they succeed. Man, that's the most powerful. That's the most powerful thing we can do, and that's what really is gonna get me excited in that six months.
0: I love that. I love that camp, and you know, I can't emphasize enough on how powerful it is that this is happening. You know, that it's a group of men getting together you know i don't like the phrase or the concept of change the narrative because the narratives they're going to exist because of white supremacy right so it's not a, it's not about changing the narrative it's about it's about leaning in and creating the narrative that you want right and so i i love this idea of legacy you said it a few different times and, and building something that's going to outlive you right um, and, and 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 very practically around the the book scholarship that's huge because i remember like a, like a, like a silly like a silly <laughs> silly silly young student yeah you know yep. i bought all these books and my books i mean that them books was i had so many books and then when not cracked the book open okay i'm like no why did i spend this money <laughs> right, right? Right, right. right right just just to be a paperweight just to be just, on the just to be a paper right man I, like literally that's all it was and so <laughs> i remember i remember even you know shoot there's something to be said about teaching students how to buy the international version of them books yeah because mm-hmm. some international versions are cheap but yeah if you try to go to that college if you try to go to that university bookstore man they hitting man. you over the head 90 of course 150 300 yep. i'm like yep bro like and then they'd be like oh you got the oh you got that version that's not but like i said well the you need to key.
2: you need a key code what it is like the like the serial code for these you books as well yeah so you got to buy the new version can't even get the old version and the new version costs twice a much. And see, see, I didn't
0: even know that. See, the, see, and the game has changed because see, yeah. I probably, I probably, I probably aged out because I graduated <laughs> back in 2011. Yeah. So, so like, and I graduated early, but still, like, I graduated yeah. a, dec- a decade ago, right? So, you know, I just remember I was able to get the international version, and the content was the same, even if. Uh, but I remember one time though, to your point, that the American version had like some type of CD in it. Exactly,
2: you need that. You need and you that. Need
0: that. And then, and as soon as and they're like, oh, this is the part where you see us. I said, like, ah. so I had to go. I had to go do it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. anyway, to, to to your point, though, man, I, I, I'm excited about the conference. I'm definitely excited about continuing to engage, man. And, I, you know, I yeah. love I love black men in tech, the branding, uh, the visuals are great. So shout out to your team. Look, man, you know, we could keep going all day, but let me do this uh, before I let you go. Any parting words and any shout out you have?
2: Yeah, so that so I want to double back on one thing, like see what we're doing now and having a conversation because because we are in a relationship with each other as far as the job piece and a connection piece and how we connect it, but this is why Black Men in Tech exists. Imagine us then turning around to 50 students, our scholars, and having the same conversation, right? And then bring in 10 other companies that's looking for interns and we say, hey, our 50 is the best and brightest. What's up? We're top 50 in the nation or in world, you better come pull from us first, right? And all of it is not based on a monetary value, but based on the experience of the access and education that we can provide using our network, right? We're just sitting here laughing about our book experience. That could probably help a student next year realize, you know what, I'm glad I got the scholarship because I can hang out with Zach and Cam and we sh- shoot straight, have a beautiful conversation, and then they can make sure I go to class and make sure I do well. Right, so so those 100%. little things, right? Those little things are important. Um, for me, for me, um, thought process, man. Parting words. I just want to leave listeners with this with this quick quote. And Zach, you tell me if you agree or not. You know, if you don't cut it, you know, from the track. But I want to leave with the, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, bro, we being real. So so yeah. I, I I I came up with this thought process, and I want to make sure everyone hears that because I think it's essential to the work that we need to do for diversity and inclusion and belonging work moving forward. I say immediately, I say a diversity strategy is only as good as the implementator's willingness to be uncomfortable and vulnerable at any given time. I say that because Everybody's passionate about the word. Everyone want to do what's right. Everyone wants to, you know, be that advocate and that ally until it makes you uncomfortable and vulnerable, and then you back off. But for a diversity strategy to really be successful in any given organization, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable, vulnerable at any given time, because the work we do is a step beyond tolerance. So I wanted to leave parting thoughts on that and um because I think that's where we can do the most work and make the most gains in, in the next 5 years is that start with you. You know, start with you in your leadership, start with you so that we can, you know, move the move this imaginary needle together. I will say another thing too, build community amongst different diversity officers and diversity and diversity uh practitioner throughout the country and the world. I I am <laughs> I, I am a store of this information, I'm not the owner. So I, even though we may be at competing companies and all this other stuff, if I can help you with your diversity plan, I'm going to help you just like you can help me, right? That two pedagogy moment when we learn from each other. No one has a silver bullet. No one can figure it out on their own. But if we build our neighborhood, if we build our community we will be successful together so those are two things man that i'll leave you at important words and you know um for me it's the shout out to use that for bringing me on just to have this real talk just having a good conversation with a brother Uh, so thank you for the opportunity and to you know my team uh black men in tech like understand the people that's around this conference and this experience all doing it for free no one getting paid we see they saw the vision in me as the creator. They saw the passion I had. They saw the purpose I was trying to do and the practicality behind it. And they and they stand with me. Long nights, long weekends, man. But it's going to be worth it in the end. So I really want to, you know, appreciate the team for standing with me, you know, to make it happen.
0: I love it. I love it. Cam, we appreciate you. Definitely consider you a friend of the show. Look forward to hearing more about the conference and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man.
2: I appreciate you, man. You have a good day.
0: All right, man. Peace. Living Corporate is brought to you by the Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert, Neil Edwards, the Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts and we're back yo shout out to cam ward shout out to live ramp all the dope stuff they're doing over there shout out to black men in tech listen if you want to learn more about black men in tech we'll learn more about cam we'll learn more about live ramp just check out the links in the show notes okay we're doing some really cool stuff. We're actually going to be promoting uh, the Black Men in Tech Conference over the next month. So make sure you tell folks about it. Right? It's virtual. It's, it's nothing, right? You just, you ain't got to go nowhere, y'all. You ain't got to wear nothing crazy. You know, you gotta you gotta got to dress up. You ain't got to, you know, worry about airline tickets or hotels. Just register, right? It's going to be great. It's going to be a great conference. Uh, now, listen, before we get up out of here, It's important that you hear me when I say prioritize yourself, continue to do that. We're in this moment right now where as the vaccine continues to be distributed, organizations are already looking to get their folks back on the road. And to a certain extent, I get that. But never feel like you need to rush out of the house if you don't feel safe and certainly if you're not vaccinated. Um, Life is short. You know, there's there's this narrative around trying to get back to normal. And the truth of the matter is we're not putting the genie back in the bottle. Like we've experienced a little over a year of having an opportunity to reprioritize, assess and think about what's important in our lives. And I, for one, am never, ever looking to going back to this grind culture of wearing myself down to nothing chasing some imaginary carrot to win some prize right there is no gold at the end of that rainbow right the gold that you have is in your health in your family and your personal well-being it's your responsibility to figure out how work fits into that not how you fit into work right prioritize yourself prioritize your well-being shout out to the living corporate team make sure you give us five stars on apple Podcast. Until next time, this has been Zach. You've been listening to Living Corporate. Peace.
1: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for musical elevation. Post production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion?